Well, good morning, GPC Church family. It's good to see all of you as Christmas is drawing near. We are close enough to Christmas Day that Christmas trees are going up in our homes, Christmas wreaths. Matter of fact, if I let me look in through your television, kids. And I do. I see stockings over here. I see a tree on this side. I see some presents. No, I'm just kidding. I, I can't see you all in your pajamas on your couches as you watch this. Um, Christmas is almost here. And with Christmas comes all the cultural, enjoyable festivities and traditions that fill each of our households. And we love these things. These things are fun and they are enjoyable. But there's something so much greater than the cultural festivities and traditions, as great as those are. And believe me, we love them in my home. We all need a little help being reminded of the true beauty of Christmas and what everything is surrounding and pointing to. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. That God has come down. God has come near. He did it in a baby named Jesus. And the church celebrates that event every year. And we seek to worship. We spend all of these weeks building up, pointing to this special event enjoying all the cultural festivities around us, but especially remembering that the promised Christ has come. And so this is week three of four weeks of Advent. And we have announced that the King has come, and we're looking to the Scriptures for ways in which Jesus revealed that He was the Christ and so this morning, we continue in that series, and this morning our sermon is that the King has come, that Jesus is our healer and our sin bearer, just as the Scriptures promised God would send. And so our text for our sermon this morning is from Matthew chapter 8. And these are selections from Matthew chapter 8. And before I read it, I want you to know uh, that they're cut out in such a way to capture four episodes of healing that Jesus has in chapter 8. So I'm taking those and separating them from some larger text that I would have to explain, which would be a sermon for another day. But for this morning, listen to these four episodes where Jesus proves that He is our healer. He is the sin bearer that the Old Testament told us to look for. Matthew chapter, one, Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed Him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before Him and said, Lord, if You are willing, You can make me clean. Jesus reached out His hand and touched the man. I am willing, He said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Episode 2. 
Verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Episode 3, verse 14. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. Episode 4, verse 16. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Let's pray that God will turn our attention heavenward. Father, would you do that very thing? Would you turn our attention beyond ourselves, outside of ourselves, our immediate and pressing concerns and needs, and would you give us a glimpse of Jesus, the good news that our ultimate healer has come, the one who can bear our sins and all the guilt of them, he has come. And we seek to celebrate Him as a part of His church, as a part of His people. So Lord, encourage Your people, we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the past several years, uh, your home might be like ours in that we have noticed the number of television shows that are preoccupied with fixing up homes, ruined homes, rebuilding of homes, refinishing of homes, refurbishing homes, home fixer-upper projects. And many of these shows have popped up. Like anything, when one show finds success, suddenly there are three, four, five shows that do the same thing. But you all know the name of Chip and Joanna Gaines, and uh, many of you do. And a couple of years ago, we, we found ourselves watching reruns of this show because we missed it when it was new, and found ourselves enamored with the skill of some couple, some people who could redeem the ruins of an old, outdated home And by the end of a 30-minute show, transform it into something that could almost bring a tear to your eye. You could see the happiness and the joy of the homeowners who wanted their home to be the perfect dream. 
And somehow Chip and Joanna Gaines seem to be able to do it every week. They could redeem the ruins and make things the way they ought to be, the way that you hoped that they would be. Well, if you've ever experienced that show or anything like that, that is the sense that I want you to feel as we engage this text because Jesus is entering the scene and in a much more significant way than redeeming the ruins of an old home. Jesus is redeeming the ruins of creation as the great Redeemer sent from heaven, promised of God. Jesus comes and He is redeeming the ruins. And if we can get misty-eyed and sentimental about a home being made right, how much more, especially at Christmas, should we be moved by the beauty and the wonder of God coming and redeeming the ruins of our own lives and of the world in which we live? I have four simple points this morning. I want these to be helpful short and clear. And the first one is this, the big picture view, that the world and everything in it was created by God and was good. Remember your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, which we believe to be God's Word given to us to let us know where we've come from. God created all things out of nothing by the Word of His power in the space of six days, and it was all good. It was all as it should be. But in Genesis chapter 3, our first parents rebelled. They rebelled against God's word. And since then, this world, though all things were created good, since that rebellion, they as our first parents and we as their spiritual offspring, we are not good. We are ruined by sin. We are tainted by sin. The whole creation, all of earth is tainted by sin. It is fallen and in a state of ruin. But secondly, and thankfully, God promised a redeemer. And that world that God created has been waiting and longing for that redeemer ever since that first promise. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we have Christmas in Genesis. This is where God said that He would provide one. He said, He will crush your head, speaking to the serpent, though He will strike your heel. And so we give, we're given a promise in Scripture that one would come who would undo the curse. One would come who could reverse the curse. And in Matthew chapter 8, our text this morning, we see what that looks like. We see, C.S. Lewis would say, Aslan is on the move. We see that God is at work, that Jesus is on the move in Matthew chapter 8. And what would he do? He would come to reverse the curse that our first parents rightly deserved. And how far would he work to do that? As far as the curse was found. Just like the hymn that we love to sing at Christmas, Joy to the World. He comes to make his blessings known as far as the curse is found. From east to west, he will traverse to undo the curse. And in Matthew chapter 8, 
we see Jesus' public ministry at work to do that very thing. Now, in Isaiah chapter 35, a verse that we heard earlier in the service, uh, there are these prophecies throughout Isaiah and other prophets. But in verses 5 and 6 of Isaiah 35, we're told that when that Messiah would one day come, when the Christ would one day come, that you would know it. You would know it because Isaiah says, the eyes of the blind would be opened, the ears of the deaf would be unstopped, that the lame would leap like a deer, and that the mute tongue would shout for joy. Those are the images of reversing the curse. And those are the kinds of images we find in Matthew chapter 8, where Jesus now engages particular individuals who are experiencing the curse, the pain, and the misery of sin in this life. And so finally, we come to this public ministry of Jesus. And what we find is that in His public ministry, He prioritizes a certain kind of people. And it's not the wealthy. Remember our candle, our Advent candle this morning, that the message came through the lowly. It came through shepherds. And Jesus, as He comes and begins His public ministry, it's the same theme. He comes to the sick. He comes to the outcast. He comes to the lowly. And in the passage that we read, in those four little episodes of Jesus encountering a fallen creation, we see Him start to reverse the curse. We see what He is capable of doing. And we see that the first thing that he does is he engages a leper. Now, Pastor Archie preached on uh, lepers and leprosy just about two or three weeks ago at Thanksgiving. If you heard that sermon, you heard many truths about leprosy, that you didn't come near a leper. You certainly didn't touch a leper. Because if you touched a leper, not only would you be contagious to leprosy, but you would be unclean and unable of approaching God in worship. And so lepers were outcasts, quite literally. But Jesus engages this leper and touches him. He willingly engages this fallen aspect of creation, and he's unafraid as a redeemer to touch the untouchable. And he makes it clean. He restores it. He renews it. He reestablishes it. And then in the second episode of healing in Matthew chapter 8, he is approached by a Gentile, a centurion, one who is in charge of a hundred men. An unbelieving centurion, though really a believing centurion. He approaches Jesus and says, I know power when I see it. I know what it is to have authority, and you have it. You don't even need to go into the presence of my servant who is paralyzed and suffering. You can just speak the word, and it will be done. And Jesus marvels over the faith of this centurion, this Gentile centurion that in his own way would have been a second kind of outcast. For the Jewish people. 
And so Jesus here engages, willingly heals, willingly serves, coming as a servant to all of fallen creation. And then in the third episode of healing in our text, (coughs) Jesus came into Peter's house and he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. She began to serve him. She felt well again. Now, some of you've had fever, you've been sick, you know how fever will just take it out of you, and you're going to lie in bed and not move for 48 hours. And this is a part of the mystery and the wonder and the beauty of all these healing episodes, is Jesus is able to do something. He's able to do something about those things that we can't do anything to stop, really to prevent. And we know this well in the midst of coronavirus. Wear the mask. Don't wear the mask. Sanitize your hands. Stay six feet apart. Coronavirus is spreading because we can't ultimately do anything about it. It's going to have its way until the Lord provides a grace to intervene. And so Jesus has intervened himself in creation, and he shows, I can immediately do as a healer everything that you wish could be true. But more than a healer, he'll show that he's also able to bear the guilt and the power of sin, the burden that his people bear. And in the fourth and final little episode in Matthew chapter 8, there it says that when evening came, it's been a long day of healing, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word. And he healed all the sick. We don't know how many people are being referenced here. But it sounds like a lot. And then it says in verse 17, and this is the real Christmas capture of the passage. It says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah that He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. And so you see, Matthew is trying to capture for us how Jesus is fulfilling that promised sign that Isaiah told us about. Matthew is connecting these dots for us. That everything said about the Messiah in the Old Testament, Jesus is doing these things Because He is that Christ. He is that Messiah. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what should have us lift our hearts in song. That we have reason to praise and to worship. God really has done something in time and space and history to bear the sins of His people. And He did it through a Christ child born in a manger in a little small town. And he says that event changes the history of the world. And even more than that, there is a beauty that I want you to hear as we close this morning. To what Mark would say in his gospel about Jesus. Mark in chapter 2, verse 17 says... 
It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, as we connect all this and bring it together, this is, this is the application for the GPC church family to consider this week. That is, that this Jesus that we celebrate, that we worship at Christmas, that we adore, we worship Him year-round, He came to identify with a certain kind of people. He came to identify with the sick, the diseased, the powerless, the hopeless. He prioritizes them. And I wonder if you identify with those kinds of people, that you see yourself as one of those kinds of people, that Jesus didn't just do it then, He does it now. And the truth is, we live in a world where our self-view, our view of ourselves, is just not quite in line with reality. We like to think that, that Jesus and I did this together. When really, no, not at all. We were paralyzed spiritually. We were leprous spiritually. We were in bed with a fever, unable to move spiritually. But Jesus came and touched us. He brought redemption to us when we could do nothing for ourselves. And you see, when you view yourself in that way, suddenly Christmas means something more. That Jesus has done this for me. Jesus has done this for us. And it changes the heart. It changes the posture of the human person when they realize they are totally dependent on a God who would come near, who would touch, who would redeem the ruins of our lives. The ruin that every single one of us is. The ruins that our family that each of our families are. This is the Jesus, this is the King that we worship at Christmas. This is why Christmas should matter to us. This is why Christmas is worth celebrating. The great fixer-upper has come, and He has power to redeem the ruins of our lives. The ruin in our past, the ruin in our present, the ruin in our future. He has power to fix that, to redeem that for His own glory. Have you identified with Jesus in this way? Have you identified that you are that needy, that, that we are all that needy, and that He has come low for that reason? It gives us reason to sing. It gives us reason to celebrate. It gives us reason to worship. We're going to close in just a moment after I pray with a familiar Christmas hymn, but I want to highlight a lyric from it. The hymn is, What Child Is This? But this week, the lyric that stood out to me as it relates to this sermon is this. Listen to it when we sing. Nails, spear, shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me. For you, hail, hail the Word made flesh, the babe 
the son of Mary. That is to say, nails and spear, he was pierced by those for us, for me, for you. He bore those for us because he is the great sin bearer. He is the healer of our sins. Let's worship him this Christmas. Our Father and our God, we do give you a humble and a hearty thanks that you are our healer. You are our redeemer, the redeemer of our ruins. And Lord, if we've been distracted by all the cultural festivities and traditions, I pray that you've turned our attention heavenward this morning and that you will continue to do so. May we somehow be able to enjoy those things, yet hold fast to Jesus as our healer and as our redeemer. We ask this for the church family, both young and old, that we would worship you rightly this Christmas and throughout the year. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.